Welcome to Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. This is episode 34, recorded on August 17th, 2019. And this week's topic is Books of Sorrow, Speculation, and Spinfoil. Tonight, I'm your host, Hyven. I am Elemist. And I am Mrs. Hyven. And we thank everyone for joining us. Let's get right into podcast news. So we encourage feedback, of course. Please send us reviews, personal messages, theories, suggestions, topics, anything that you deem worthy. And you can contact us at the Twitter at guardians underscore lore and also the email guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. And of course, please send us your reviews in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, um, Podbean. I don't know. We're not on Podbean, but we're on like Pinecast. But send us your reviews anywhere that you can find our podcast. I'd like to point out you didn't save the in front of all of those podcast options. No, no. Just the Twitter and the email. You were just really proud of yourself for that. That was a direct giggle. Oh, I do it every time. I just don't oh, yeah. notice. He was super <laughs> proud of that. Anyway, <clears throat> this will come out after Locust Fire's top three and intro. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I th- yes. I, it, I, it'll I, come I, out before their top three. Or yeah. after their top three, but before the intro. Before, yeah. Okay, before the final, because the in-depth. Either way, at some point when you're listening to this, in that week, we have recorded an episode with Focus Fire Chat with Blue and Green. Uh, so we had some fun over there. Uh, please go ahead and listen to that episode also. Also, uh, Me and Elemist were uncomfortable and awkward, so yeah. But guys, listen to it, so they ask you us to come listen. back and be uncomfortable and awkward again. Maybe I'll be more comfortable next time, so I can <laughs> be better. It was just still so you guys a lot can, uh... of fun. Oh, it was, a, it, was a, it was a great time. I just had to get over my super, super introvertedness. But just so you not guys can uh, moderate your expectations, I don't want you to get your hopes up. I was not there. I mean, I was. I was looking in the chat, but I'm not on it. So just a heads up. I don't want you to be really pumped about me and then be disappointed. So because I know that's what everybody comes to this podcast for. <laughs> no, they right. come here for the professionalism. <laughs> Speaking of professionalism, it was really nice to uh, record with them. We got some little tips and tricks that we can use to hopefully improve our own recording as we move ahead um we just reached 3500 also known as 3500 listens so we're excited to be growing uh we thank all of our listeners and all those downloads that you guys continue to do especially subscribers who come in every week and listen to our episodes um mrs hyven I also wanted to know, I don't know if I noted it when we hit this milestone, but we're over 250 Twitter followers now as well. We're actually specifically at 259, um, so we're excited to see that grow continuously. That's been awesome, Um, but I don't think I ever noted it in podcast news when we hit 250, so it feels like a good time to do that. Nice. And the only other thing for podcast news is we've promised this for a long time, an intro and an outro. They've finally been made, uh, so look forward to hearing them next episode. We are going to be dropping it with the start of our next topic. 
which is undecided. So we will probably be getting a poll up for that. All right. So stuff you've missed in Destiny. Actually, a lot. We've had a lot of Destiny news. Uh, we had the director's cut from Luke Smith. He wrote a three-part informational overview of the past and future of Destiny. Um, they came in three parts in three different days, and it talked about everything from past mistakes, um, the way things work for the team. Uh, it was really nice to kind of see how it feels for, for them also, um, and also even some of the changes that they're working on and things to look forward to in the future. Some of the biggest things were some of the PvP changes uh, that we're going to be getting. Um, first and foremost, the playlists are changing. We're going to be getting Classic Mix that has um, Clash, Control, and Supremacy in it. We will be having Competitive move to a 3v3 Survival playlist. And the exciting part is also you have a solo queued Glory 3v3 um, Survival competitive. So that's going to be really cool for all you solo players out there trying to get your glory rank up when you don't have a team you won't be stacked against team everyone in that queue will be solo so that's pretty cool um and then of course still have our rotating playlists um but yeah i mean some of the pvp changes are cool uh trials of the nine they mentioned would not be coming back uh, but i think that maybe they're going to be reworking it because we are getting elimination game modes with some various variations in crucible lab labs coming up so pvp is getting a good um, getting some retuning and some attention, which is awesome, because I, I play a lot of the PvP, mostly. Elmis, <clears throat> what you got? Uh, the one thing I did want to note was the fact that um, they specifically said Trials of the Nine was on hiatus indefinitely. And italicized they italicized nine. nine. Well, they, and they commented the fact that Trials of the Nine was kind of a mistake. They tried to fix something that wasn't truly broken. Um, and so I think they acknowledged that Trials of Osiris worked better than they thought and really didn't maybe need to be changed. And I think the fact that they're trying to look into elimination, I think eventually we might get a t type of Trials coming back, maybe elimination style. But look forward to that. I'm glad that they're not just going to drop something without testing it because um, that's kind of how we've got into a lot of the problems in Destiny 2 to start with. Well, and, and a lot of, it's not that Trials of the Nine was a complete failure. It was more of just like too much was changing at once. Yeah. And I would argue that I think the, the game modes were not as favorable as Elimination. People like Trials of Osiris. Um, oh, yeah. Good old Elimination was great. And trying to base everything on four with the, the double primaries, just a lot of stuff all got changed all together at the beginning, and that was a little odd. So look forward to the changes. Um, you know, they haven't had, like, a big PvP team, so it's nice to see that maybe they're going to be trying to get that together and be able to showcase some cool stuff. Also, uh, Luke Smith mentioned in there about, you know, damage stacking, how nowadays just the amount of exotics and damage stacking that you can do with supers and perks is getting crazy and which is why they had to break a lot of their rules when they designed something like Reckoning, because you could just destroy everything. And it was really nice to see that they said some of their like rules were like, enemies are not supposed to spawn behind you. You should have cover that you can strategically play in. 
And like those are the things that always frustrated me about some of the new activities that I felt like I was just getting shot in the back from enemies I couldn't see. There was nowhere to hide. And so we see that they mentioned that damage stacking is going to change. Now, one buff will apply to you as a guardian, and one debuff will apply to enemies. So there's no going to be combining supers and all that kind of stuff. And the smart thing is, before, things that didn't combine, whatever was applied used to just cancel whatever was before. Um, so if the second buff or debuff had been applied, it would cancel out possibly one that was more powerful. So they're changing the system to acknowledge what buff and debuff are the most beneficial, and that'll be the one that applies. So things like they mentioned Well of Radiance. Let's say you have also maybe a Weapons of Light bubble, and Weapons of Light does more damage. You'll have the damage buff from Weapons of Light, but you will have the healing effect of the Well of Radiance. So really cool. And we also had the Armor 2.0 live stream. Um, we got a great look at everything going on with Armor 2.0. We got to see a lot of the mods. Um, we're not going to go into that in detail because there's a lot to really unpack. But go ahead and watch that stream or you can find the highlights on YouTube practically from everyone. Elemis, <clears throat> what you got on Armor 2.0? Well, and, and even then, like we're not going to dive into it because there's still a lot of uncertainty because yeah. nothing was fully clarified. We got previews of, you know, hey, this is stuff you could do, but we don't know the underlying systems. We don't know anything at this point. Um, yeah. Only thing we could tell exciting. you is things you could watch in the stream. So, Right. And it's still exciting. Um, I mean, heck, there was a, a Warlock build that they had in there that you just constantly had your Arc Buddy. Yeah, that was pretty crazy, man. There's was a lot of Arc Buddy. I think she didn't shoot a gun at all. I know. I was kind of like, that's awesome. I don't <laughs> use Warlock, but that's kind of sweet, man. Right. <clears throat> and the most important news, Elmist. Weapons of Light is back. Bubble Bros. Bubble Bros. Yes. So you can now wear Saint-14 helmet and give everyone... Bl uh, Blessing of Light and Weapons of Light. So you can get all those buffs back. You know, Armor of Light in the bubble, Blessing and Weapons when you leave the bubble. So you don't gotta, just got to stand in there, glitch out where your feet are half in the bubble for the overshield. Like, it's real. We can be great yeah. again. And it's so tempting, guys. I might, I might move back over to my Titan for, for maining in this next DLC. It's so exciting. Oh, I do miss. I do miss. Oh, good old weapons. And now... The only thing is, remember how many times you were stuck as a Titan using that subclass in, in D1. So I'd be curious to see. But I think the fact that now every, a lot of different classes have that buff, I think it gives them options, you know? That means that the Warlocks don't have to be Well of Radiance all the time, because now maybe the Titans can be the Bubbles. So I think it's yeah. a pretty cool idea. But it also depends on how much more beneficial the Bubble would be over a well, or how much more beneficial a well would be over bubble. Um, because it both would be giving some kind of health buff and a damage buff. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll have to see with the numbers. I hope that they're even, just so... Because I think it's kind of dumb if they're not, because one of them would just never be used. I think, I think it would be if they would be even, so that way, you know, it's just each class can contribute depending on how your team wants to make the build. Well, and even then, like, 
Yeah, it, it would be depend on the, the actual team build. It could be like, oh, hey, for this raid, you do well. I'll run, you know, top tree um, sunbreaker. That way we've got melting point. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, in a different encounter. Oh, I'll run bubble. You go ahead and run Nova Bomb. You know, it, it allows for diversity. Or, I mean, just let Titans do all the work, you know? They'll just uh, do melting point on the boss, and then the Titans will throw up their bubble also. So, I mean, all it means is Titans are the only class ever needed again. That's all. <laughs> just kidding. You can't really go along with that Celestial Nighthawk, though, for damage. Very effective. Unless you miss. That's the best part. I've done that way too many times. <laughs> Someone showed me a picture. It was like, uh, it was a warlock. Like, I'll throw down my Well of Radiance. Titan, what are you going to do? I'll cast my melting point. Hunter, what are you going to do? I'll miss my golden gun. <laughs> and I was like, yep. Because that is what happens a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move in then to see if Mrs. Hyven has anything in her corner this evening. There is nothing in my corner. Um, no, um, actually, this evening, instead of a Mrs. Hyman's Question Corner, we're going to go into a listener Q&A. Uh, tonight, you guys will find out that we have just another awesome fan. His name is uh, Michael Iverson on Twitter, and he has sent us both some speculation, and he sent us a listener question. So we're going to go ahead and do his question tonight. Um Give me a moment while I pull it up. So, so not ready. Actually, the problem is, is we've had so much activity on Twitter this week that it's not something I can pull up quickly because it, you know, it was sent three days ago and it's still just right there. We've had a lot of activity on Twitter this week. Not that I am upset about that at all. It's been amazing, and I have loved it. All right, let's see. So Michael Iverson at Michael Nine Iverson says. Guardians underscore lore. Hey, question for you guys. I would love to hear it in your next podcast, which we're doing. Uh, (laughs) What is your most memorable moment in Destiny? It could be from D1 or D2. So I'm going to go ahead and start, mostly because I got some banana bread in the oven. I got to go get in a minute and 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) My most memorable moment. So I've actually never played D1. I've only played D2 story. And mine isn't necessarily anything to do specifically with, like, a cutscene or a really awesome move I did that I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, Cortana, you know, record that, blah, blah, blah. Never had one of those moments. <laughs> but for me, it was um, actually playing with some just awesome people. When I started out, I played with my husband. I played um, with my cousin, Starkiller, and um, another friend of my husband's a lot, too, Sean Jones. Um, I got to play with all three of them, and it was really Seventh fun for me. Seventh time being shouted out or something like that? Yeah, I got on about listening this week, too. <laughs> um, but it has been really awesome because growing up, I, my brother and my cousin were like, ew, no, don't play video games with us. We don't like you. We don't want to teach you. Whereas when I was playing Destiny, you know, I remember so many times when Star, you know, he wouldn't be on the headset talking, but his character would be, like, shooting, like, over here, follow me over here, follow this way, and he'd, like, shoot towards it. And then... You know, so that was like my beginning journey. And then moving on is like I made some more friends too while I still got to play with them. I also obviously met Elemis. And um, Elemis and I played um, Crimson Days, the doubles. Mm-hmm. And yep. so 
the early on times playing with Star and Sean and my husband. Dude, just listening then... to you guys play Crimson Doubles together was like mind blowing. You and Crucible <laughs> yeah. and having a good time and actually killing. <laughs> and then moving on, like my next memory would be with Alamis playing Crimson Days because I just, like I said, I grew up. Oh, there's my timer. Um, I grew up being told basically like, ew, we don't want you to play with us. And it really kind of like left a negative taste in my mouth to like wanting to play games that involved playing with others. So now just having a husband and especially having a cousin, because like I said, it was my brother and my cousin growing up who were like, no, um, having a cousin and basically not a family member. Sean's my, um, uncle's brother-in-law be like, Hey, no, come play with us. Let us teach you. And then to make new family with Alamist and be like, hey, no, come play with me. Like, let me invite you to come play. Let's have a good time. It's just meant a lot to me, uh, clearly, because I'm rambling about it. But it really has. And I don't think I could fully express into words how much I've appreciated all of these people and all of the love and support. So, Does that mean we you. get multiple moments? Because I think you cheated and there was more than one there. <clears throat> because, Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, right, cool. it wasn't a moment. It was playing with the people I loved and I needed, you know, I was expressing why. Wow, I'm in tears now. <laughs> um, oh, like, my first memorable moment, it was the week that they previewed Inferno, which was, um, uh, it, it was kind of like a, a game mode modifier for D1 where it was you know clash or control or whatever I, I honestly don't even remember what game modes it was part of but it was it multiple was mo- it was clash and control okay but it, it was essentially a modifier where there was no radar um, and like I I had class in maybe like an hour so i'm like all right you know what i'll hop on for a single match and i did horrible like a 0.5 kd uh but the reward was gallerhorn and i'm like i don't even have time to actually play with this new toy um and, and then they made a whole competitive playlist like that <laughs> and no like, radar I, I, I don't even know why that sticks in my head, but it does. Um, and then the other memorable moment was, yeah, playing Crimson Days with Mrs. Hyven. Like, to hear her excitement because she got one kill or, or you know, hey, I finally got a kill! I got a kill! It, it was just... It was so awesome and endearing and... For like, someone who for someone who has trouble moving her character and aiming at the same time, <laughs> you can understand <laughs> why it was a big accomplishment and like it was kind of cool for all of us to see her enjoy Crucible. Okay, let's, <laughs> she let's sticks it back out for there. just a moment. I like I said, nobody wanted to teach me how to play growing up, so you just I never developed skills. that hand-eye okay. coordination. Okay. <laughs> oh, and, and, and it was amazing. This suckiness is why I. Even more so appreciate that you guys still will invite me to play. <laughs> oh, like, I will absolutely invite you to play. I got to pub stomp for a bit. Hey, the good news is, I, we didn't mention it, but all characters are going to be up to 750 when the new expansion comes out. So, I mean, 
you'll be right on par with everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and remember, I remember the thing the last time you invited me, it was when you were in a party with your brother and your sister, and your brother had to go, and so you helped me and your sister get, like, an achievement I didn't even know I needed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was awesome, but yeah. All right. Yeah, and well, I should probably play against some guys. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, my favorite D1 memories, because it seems we all get a couple, are, um, <laughs> well, I don't play with any of them anymore, my original Destiny clan was a riot all getting into the game for the first time all figuring it out and, and some of the highlights were my first raid completion was with a full clan um and i think that has to be probably the top moment it's just getting through that raid with everyone the first raid you know it was all brand new it was awesome and then within like that same week because i had taken off time actually I had had knee surgery, so I was off recovering for a long period of time when de- for weeks when Destiny 1 came out. By knee surgery, he means the first of four. Yes, yes. <laughs> a couple of them have coincided with Destiny releases, almost like planned, but I promise it's not a thing. Um, <laughs> and then in that, in that same week, you know, the whole clan, after like doing raids and things, we would go into Crucible together, the whole clan, and just... It's so much fun. Just we'd have horrible matches. Most of them would be going great. Um, I'll never forget, same as Elmist, the third day that Destiny came out, I got Gallahorn in a Crucible match being second from the bottom on my team. And just everyone's reaction was priceless. And then finally, something that sounds stupid, you'll probably wonder why, but on Venus, I will never forget running with my original fire team, Goldfish and Rubber Duckzilla, running in circles on Venus, collecting planetary materials from chests and from the locations. We, that was a thing you had to do. You had to farm planetary materials in yeah. Destiny. And the three of us had a route. We just ran back to back to each other, ran in circles for like an hour or two, just collecting, just talking. The game was new. Everything was fun. Like We would just play during the day. Things were just so much fun. And those are my prizes and memories. Uh, playing with that original clan and with mostly with, with Rubber and Goldfish being my original fire team. Um, and the highlights from in Destiny 2 where it shows everyone you know you did your first encounters with. And the people I played with have changed over time. But those same memories you know, show up all the time. But yeah, those were some of the best things from D1 was experiencing everything being new with all of my friends, even the things now that we would look back and be like, oh, God, that was horrible. You know, being having to do the raids every week just so I could level up. <laughs> like, oh, uh, it was so great. Yeah, and being an introvert and not knowing, be, joining the clan for the first time was scary. But it, I, I, I never regretted any of it. So, yep. All right. So with all of that being said, Michael, it's your turn. Send us your favorite memory from D1 or D2. We'll shout it out on next week's episode. And actually, that goes for all of you. We'd love to hear what your memories were. Um, I really, really loved hearing from you guys about your gamer tags. That was awesome. And there were some really personal ones that just, like, warmed my heart. So I would love to hear your favorite memories. In fact, you know, I'll go ahead and tweet it out. Michael, please share back. And um, if we get some other great ones, we'll go ahead and try and share multiples but um yeah we'll definitely share michael's next week for you guys because 
He's been super active on Twitter lately, so I'm sure we'll get something back. He's been a lot of fun to talk to this past week. Um, in fact, it looks like he logged into his Twitter for the first time in two years just to reach out to us, and that's been kind of awesome. Yeah, shout yeah. out to him. I didn't think anyone could find me on Twitter because I don't ever use it. Sent me a DM <laughs> inviting me to play on PC when we all get cross-save, which is exciting because I have no one. So I really appreciate that. First time I've ever sent anyone a DM on yeah. Twitter. It was just cool to hear from somebody that said they've been listening since day one and they logged into their Twitter for the first time in two years to talk to us. I definitely don't feel that cool, but thanks for making me feel a little cooler this week. <laughs> and in fact, he actually reached out to me today about like yep. how we record and, and everything. So like yeah. he's super active. Yeah, he's yeah. Joey, he's coming for you for top spot. <laughs> I don't, well, Joey gave us a shout out, a pretty big one the other day, recommended us being on DCP, which was pretty right? crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Orchid followed that up too after I tweeted it. But, um, but yeah, so Joey will always have trophy of uh, first email and second email. <laughs> we don't have favorites. We're just excited. We're just excited that fans. we have people that actually care about us. Um, but yeah, I'm easily so, excitable. Yeah, we are. We really are. It doesn't take I'm much really to make easy, my day. Guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. JK. Crazy. Uh, Crazy. <laughs> but anyways, that is our listener question corner, uh, today, because like I said, I tidy up Mrs. Hyven's corner and there was nothing there. Um, maybe next week. <laughs> Cause I wish your back corner on. and then life was like that. Senior side of the room. <laughs> Shut up. I'm right. currently folding laundry. <laughs> All right, then. Well, if you guys are ready, we will get into the topic for tonight. Yes, I'm ready to moderate because I don't have a ton of speculation myself. All right. Well, you had some questions the other day just when I was talking about some things. So we'll see what you really have. That's true. That's true. So brief intro into the topic. Of course, we are speculating on the Books of Sorrow. And Books of Sorrow were written by Oryx. And they are subject to his bias. Which is why you can speculate a lot. Um, there are also some Grimoire cards uh, related to this that are not actually part of the Books of Sorrow, but we might pull in. Um, Mrs. Hyven? Yeah, I wanted to also touch base before we jump too far in. Um, we were just talking about Oryx's bias since he's writing these books. I think you guys should share your bias on how you feel about the bias in these books as part of our speculation. All right. Um, I see that there's a lot of, of paranoia on Oryx's part. Um, and it it's important to take that into consideration. Um, because whenever Oryx has pointed the finger at Savathun, especially like later in the Books of Sorrow, um, it, it's, it's important to take that into consideration with what is actually going on because uh, th that could lead to a bunch of theories saying oh it really is her or oh it's just coincidence um and you have to go in with a clear mind to figure out how you feel about that um now for me she's manipulative beyond belief so uh, yeah, Oryx is paranoid, but for good reasons. 
Yeah, uh, my bias is I think that when you look at grimoire books, you know, these books that are written by individuals, you could say that every single thing in there is a lie and just kind of assume that, like, it, none of it's true. So, and then you, everything turns into a crazy spin foil theory. Me, for one, I, like, I kind of think that everything that I read has a bit of truth to it. And while I know it's probably not 100%, as far as the books of Sorrow are concerned, for me, as Oryx being the great navigator, someone who looks for understanding, somebody who wrote this book knowing that someday he might be defeated and he wanted to prepare that person, he definitely had goals and intentions, but I honestly think he probably maybe would have been the most unbiased of the hive that we could have gotten it from. You know, I wouldn't have trusted it if it was straight from Sabathun. She's the trickster. Uh, but because Oryx is, is about the seeking of knowledge, part of me thinks that his goal was to pass on knowledge. Um, so why I think he is super um, paranoid, as Elma said, about like blaming things on Sabathun and all that stuff. I hold them as a pretty fairly accurate historical uh, recording of at least the people. Um, some of the perspective obviously would be different. I think if we had a books written by Teox, it would be very, very different. Um, but my bias is that I like to, I like to listen to this stuff with an assumption that uh, it, a good bit of it is true. All right. Well, you have bias, Ivan. Our... Don't act like you don't. Right. You think the traveler's um, evil. You think, but you the traveler also think is evil. You think right? all sides are evil. So. <laughs> It is. I am just <laughs> waiting for the book. Okay? When everyone's like, oh, I was right. <laughs> um, anyways, no, my bias in all of this is just... So let's, let me start by saying it's a hair confusing. So I don't necessarily have, have as hardcore of a bias on this as I do some other stuff just because all of the, like, name gender species change that happened <laughs> a little confusing but overall um i agree with elemis that there is a heck of a lot of paranoia here um whole lot of it and um i just i have anger and frustration with their beliefs and their views um my my bias is that i don't i don't like them um <laughs> That's my bias. No, I just, I'm really frustrated in the sense that they feel like if I can kill you, you don't, be, you're not worth living, but it's kind of twisted and messed up because like the only reason they can continue to kill for this long is because they've ingested some crazy worm that just lets them continue to be revived and like live for forever. So I don't like this because I don't think it's fair. Like it's not a level playing field. Like, even if I kill you, you're going to come back two days later and be like, <laughs> gotcha, and kill me. So that's where I'm at. So you think it's an unfair play. So, but that means, basically, you are assuming that what they're saying is true. You just don't like what they're doing as far exactly. as the books being accurate. Let's just say it's true. I think it's, I think they're mean. I think they're all a bunch of poopy heads. You just don't like them, so no rational thinking will apply <laughs> for go, you. Is what you're I'm going to go poopy head so Elvis doesn't have to no, noise blurb me out. change it to a cool sound anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, 
We'll get into some speculation. So we don't really have specifically lore readings, mostly just speculating on this episode. However, I was going to propose, I threw it down in show notes, there are two, well, and including Touch of Malice, there are three short snippets um, right at the end uh, after we destroyed Oryx, called Oryx Defeated, King's Fall, and of course Touch of Malice, which are relevant. So I have not prepared Mrs. Hyven, but I know that Elemist, I'm sure, probably has his book. If you want to take turns reading these, or should I read them? How many are there? Two? You start... Two and a teeny. Yeah. Two and a teeny? Start, I will, uh... so, I'll read Oryx Defeated, and then we'll just continue right on to Elemist will read King's Fall, and then I'll run back to Touch of Malice. Uh, and then that's kind like of... And then we'll the discuss them all after. The family is uh, 2.5 children. Yeah, we have 2.5 lore book readings. <laughs> They're very short. So here we go. So set up for this. This is after we defeated Oryx. Remember, Oryx basically told us that he was preparing whoever defeated him. Um, and these are the entries that come at the end, very, very end of the Grimoire Anthology book. So listen, death is the last part of living and life is learning to die. The song is the same as the singing. The last truth commands me. To eat all the light in the sky. I will go on forever. I will understand. Dwell a moment on the weight of what you've done. Contemplate the story you just ended. Will you do ever do anything that screams down the millennia? Will you ever hammer your will on the universe until it rings and rings and rings? Oryx was an awesome power. Show reverence. All right. Enough. Enough. A vacancy has opened, hasn't it? How interesting. How very interesting. Do you ever pause, dear listener, to consider who benefits from all this heroism you commit? Do you ever look around you and feel the faintest chill? As if you are the tiny little ball bearing placed beneath a great mast, so that it might, if pushed, begin to roll. You're a god yourself now. You've consecrated yourself. Emulate me. Use your power to learn. There are worse things to practice being. You want to go into King's Fall then? Yeah. I'll just jump straight into King's Fall. They're all kind of connected. Figured we could just knock all three of them out real quick. King's Fall. Where are you going? No, wait, listen. I was right at first. In the ever-expanding, blighted place, even light must obey the sword logic. Even you guardians, you best and brightest of the dying's dawn, you drew blood in honor of the Taken King. The war priest did his duty, and you did yours. Oryx was challenged, yes, but challenged in the way of the hive, which is to say that challenge is worship, is challenge is power. Sword logic. You played your part well. You were not supposed to touch the light. How did you find your way into the king's cellars? How did you even recognize that benighted drought for what it was? Do you not know that the hive pursue light precisely for the purpose of devouring it with slavering jaws and slick greedy gulping throats 
how did you take, or rather untake, the blighted light that Oryx gathered to offer in sacrifice to Akka, and ignite it so that it burned, and burned the darkness? It was barely light any more, but you took it. And when you took it, you did not keep it. You set it free. You fools! You disastrous, bumbling squanderers! It's not right. Who now shall be first navigator, lord of shapes, harrowed god, taken king? Not you! You might have been kings and queens of the deep, but you have toppled Oryx, and you have not replaced him. There must be a strongest one. It is the architecture of these spaces. Why are you leaving? Kind of felt like I was channeling my inner Toland. And yeah, and I was actually going to comment on the two of these. These are cards that we assume to be written by Tolan. Don't think we actually have ever gotten confirmation. Um, but at least on Ishkar's Tar Collective, these are cards that are found under messages from Tolan. Uh, and they're kind of these. Here are a couple. There's actually... I think there's three. These are only two. The first one, even before Oryx defeated, is Oryx Rebuked, um, where it starts, Hello again, it's me. I'm sure you know my name. Let me talk a while. Let me talk. I do take a debased joy in speaking again to small human form heads. Um, so it's just, we kind of assume that this is Tolan, just the way that we've got information about him. Go ahead. Actually, that kind of sounds like Oryx. Uh, and, and looking over Oryx defeated, uh, you're a god yourself now. You've consecrated yourself. Emulate me. Use your power to learn. And see, that's why I thought too, but at the same time, he used his power to learn by going into the, you know, the throne world, into the ascendant plane. Um, these have always been assumed. I had always assumed they were Tolan. But, you know, that is making me think they're not guaranteed to be from Tolan. But I think the community as a whole assumes that they are. Um, so much so that Ishtar Collective has them under messages from Tolan. Um, so I think you could speculate yeah. on that, but I think for now, I, I think it's safe to assume. Uh, because, especially on the last one, when he gets mad at us about a vacancy opening up that we oh, refused yeah. to take, that last one's definitely Tolan there. Um, oh, definitely. But yeah, so basically we see from these cards that Oryx was powerful, he's gone, someone else needs to take up that mantle. Um, and it's something that we didn't do. But it brings out some crazy good points. My favorite is, do you ever pause to consider who benefits from all this heroism you commit? Do you ever look around you and feel the faintest chill? And as if you are the tiny little ball bearing placed beneath a great mass, so it might, if pushed, begin to roll. Yeah, and I think that's... Traveler. It's yeah, a exactly. traveler that benefits. Exactly. I was going to say that kind of goes along with <laughs> it Mrs. Hyman. It is a freaking ball. Mrs. Hyman, some of the theories that... Freaking traveler. And we've mentioned before, who is the right side? Yeah, yeah. Somebody exactly. is always exactly. benefiting. I mean, um, now don't get me wrong. I don't think Oryx is the right side. <laughs> this is actually something that I commented on um, in the Focus Fire Chat episode, but right before the last word story... It applies here, too, because I think there's actually a lot of uh, similarities between, like, Oryx and someone like Dredge and Yor. But 
it's the burden of light written by the symmetry. And it just quickly, it says that I'll read the, I won't read the whole thing, just in part. And just as the light has those who serve, who act as hands and heart and will, there are those who wield the dark in the same fashion. The light healed us, so we have a responsibility to give it back the lives it has given us. There will be a day when we meet a new kind of guardian. Light and dark, power and weakness, guardian and guardian, symmetry. So I think that's kind of fitting. The fact that we serve the light because it gave us what we have, so we have to pay it back. But in the same way we're doing that for the light, Oryx was doing that for the dark. So it just helps to appreciate that the light and the dark have similar goals and that there might not necessarily be just one right side. What do you think about that, Mrs. Ivan? I feel like this thought is bull because... Okay, this might be my own personal bias of having issues with my own parents. Because, yes, so I occasionally have issues with my own parents. But this thought is just like, oh, your parents gave you life, so you've got to do whatever they say and whatever they believe. Like, no, I'm allowed to have different thoughts and opinions from my parents. I'm allowed to have... I'm allowed to be my own person. Yes, but, you know, that card continues on to say, no, it's not saying that we have to. It's we receive our power from the light, so at some point we are serving the light. However, as it concluded, there will be a day when we meet a new kind of guardian, and that ties into the whole... In the whole thing with, with Shin and the Shadows about how we have seen dark guardians with someone like Dredge and Yor who have full-on followed the darkness and yep. how now we're trying to get guardians who can take in both sides and, as, as he says, have symmetry. Um, but I think the point is just that there are two sides. Yes, we can choose, but the point is there are those who serve the light, there are those who serve the dark, and they do so in a similar capacity. Like and who's right and who's like wrong? It's that isn't cut and dry. Because it's not. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It's just, it's not that cut and dry. It's true. And but at some level, we receive I... our power from the traveler. So we kind of have to follow some, some semblance. We, we, I mean, we, we acknowledge that we have paracausal abilities from the traveler. It's not that we have to serve the traveler when we use it. We see Dredge and Yor was able to do so without following what the traveler wanted but i'm, I'm just talking about where our powers came from. god i can't even think of his name now gambit what's his name you mean run away and do nothing yeah i think that's what i would do i think i wouldn't use it <laughs> because i think i honestly wouldn't know like if i was using it for the right reasons well that's what my point that's my point is you can't like he, and it's not that he i mean he did do nothing. Tra- okay. i wouldn't do it the full drifter way I would try to protect those around me that I actually like cared about. You know, I would do it on a on a one-on-one basis of <sighs> determining those who I felt were good and needed the protection and care. Not this whole greater for humanity thing because I especially think that once you start getting into those levels there's not a clear-cut right or wrong situation. And you know, my that was my point though. I'm not I don't think the, that that card was saying, it was saying that to some degree we received power from the light. We pay it back in some regards every day just by do, existing. But the point is that 
we have to ch- we choose we choose sides and there's not actually a right or wrong that there needs to be balance symmetry as in what in what is it was it nothing ends where he talks about the the yin and yang yeah um, shin mentions that that's kind of what we're seeing here so you know my point is my point is that it's can be really easy to see say that the light is good and the darkness is bad but quite honestly it seems that they both have similar goals they both seem to just want to exist to establish life in their own way and who succeeds really has nothing to do with right or wrong it's just who is more accomplished so that's kind of my ranting on that all right, so then let's move on to the last little thing that we're going to be reading, which was the Touch of Malice card. Um, I will go ahead and read that, since okay. I said I would earlier, and Mrs. Hyven is distracted, unless you would like to, Elmas, specifically. Because I know that you have the link up. Uh, yeah, you know what? Let's, let's do that. Hey. Touch of Malice. Let them feel every lash. Every curse, every touch of malice that they first dealt to me, Eris Morn. Here am I, with the power to craft from my enemy's darkest secrets a weapon that could wound them at their core. So what stays my hand? When I behold the interiority of these cold, cold fragments, I see blind, squirming creatures. Every wound they give, They feel also upon themselves. Every bite they tear from the light only deepens, never fills, the raging emptiness behind their terrible mouths. The voices are as loud as ever. My nightmares just as bitter. My cold black hatred burns as hot. But I feel something else now. Could it be? No! I refuse it. I will build this weapon. And there's actually an addition to that in the lore book. Um, Touch of Mouse has the same flavor text, but it has different text at, under it. Uh, it can, it think, I think it's actually kind of a continuation of this thought. It's this. A weapon that draws upon the hive's ravenous darkness itself. itself. A weapon that could turn back upon the hive all the suffering they have inflicted upon us. It is done. I name it Touch of Malice, for it is not but the Hive's own doing. Take it, Guardian, and remember that they had a choice. And now, so do we. So it's just kind of fitting, once again, that even Eris is acknowledging that everyone has to choose a side. And we're getting kind of the same kind of power that the Hive have. Now, we had talked about before, we have that ravenous heart in the center of the weapon, which seemed to be from Oryx. Mm-hmm. Eris has mentioned that she is building this as basically a screw you to the hive. But we kind of theorized that maybe this could work, similar to Whisper, where in some way Oryx could still be being fed tribute from us using it. What do you think about that? Or do you think Oryx is actually just gone and that this weapon is for our benefit only? It's it's hard to say because, like, it is Oryx's heart. You know, the ravenous heart is Oryx's heart. Um, so, like, 
we are feeding Oryx with every kill that we get. But there's also the fact that, like, we killed him in his throne room. So if he... <clears throat> like, it, this this starts getting into really weird headspaces. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's probably a good introduction just kind of into some of the theorizing. <laughs> we do have specific theory... I mean, specific topics to discuss in the show notes. So before we just start wildly speculating uh let's go ahead and look at the fan theories that we received um miss hyman do you have those or is elemis have do. those all right I that's do. what i thought well why don't you start us off with the first one <clears throat> all right sorry i'm literally in the in the uh you're having too much fun on twitter let's let's i am um, we're professional I okay i'm sorry i was i was messaging orchid back i told her she had to revote she voted for you... Chronicon. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> she changed her mind. Oh, Dude, maybe we do need a live chat. You would be so. It would give you something to focus on because you like it. It would. She called me you guys' to... manager because I book you the good gigs. Right. <laughs> then we'd have to be uh, consistent much. in our time, which we can't do. All right. Anyway, let's get this. All let's right. get this. I got theory. them pulled up. Hold on. I screenshotted all of them so it'd be easy. All right. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. We are going to start off with Michael, move in to another one, and then Michael sent a blurb as well from something else. I don't know where he got it from, but we'll read that as well. So the tweet itself that was tweeted, twittered. The tweet that you received from the Twitter, the tweet from the Twitter. It's pretty easy. <laughs> uh, let's see here <laughs> okay so I sent out okay everyone it's time to start speculating if you have a fan theory a tangent or really just any questions slash spe speculation about books of sorrow we want to hear it and so from that we heard it Michael Iverson again at Michael 9 Iverson tweeted back okay he sent if Savathun somehow ended up with the power of the deep, do you think that just like Orox brought back his sisters by following their true natures, maybe once Savathun gets here, Orox will be revived too because she navigated to the Traveler the one thing Orox had always been after? Not done. Then he tweets again. That is, if Orox figured out a way to survive his death from us, maybe we didn't fight him in his real throne world, Maybe it was a fake. Not done. Next tweet. All of these were really interesting to me, um, but I feel like you guys might actually have real responses. Um, then he said, wait, no, that wouldn't matter because he brought them back from true death, so it is possible. Then, after listening to last week's episode, he said, okay, just listen to the Tuesday show and... Well, with that being said, unless the touch of malice is lost, I say it's almost like a Horrocks if we can't find it. Horrocks may not be dead. There's one in the reckoning also. So there could be many other echoes we don't know about. All right, let me Can stop I you there because you were going <laughs> on way too long of a tangent. Let's just start with the first theory. Um, so you sent us com a completely different order than you just started reading. So... Um, which, so what are we that's starting? the order they came in. 
So let's go ahead and talk about just um, if so if Savathun somehow ended up revived of Savathun. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So our, the 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 <laughs> basic theory is that if Savathun ended up with the power of the deep, similar to what Oryx had, do we think that Oryx could be brought back in the same way he brought back the sisters by defining their nature? Um, and then he can, yeah. So let's start with that. Elmist, you would have had a thought somewhere along her reading. <laughs> <laughs> um, starting with that, I personally, this is my thought. There's nothing to actually back it yet. Um, I don't think she would be able to bring back Oryx simply because Oryx was able to bring his sisters back because he took their power. So a bit of them lived inside of him. Yeah, that's we talked about that I think a couple episodes ago, right? So your thought is like we took his power, not them. So they could. But we also did. But we left it. That's what we had just read in the cards. Tolan said we left the power. We left the vacancy. So we didn't. We didn't take that sword logic power gained in the same way Oryx did by killing his sisters. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, that's true. I would say that if we, there would have been the person who could have defined Oryx would have been us, uh, but I would also argue that we never took, yeah, that power. So at this point, I don't think that he could come back through description. Do you agree with that, Elmist? I do agree. What about you, Mrs. Hyman? Um, from my loose understanding, yeah, I agree. I don't think he could. <laughs> I think. <clears throat> then there's that whole concept of like we left it for somebody else to take up which Tolan said look a vacancy is opened but granted and we see him now and he doesn't have any more power so yeah so I mean I don't really know because you know are we Tolan's gonna be the raid boss by the end of all this it's just my thought like with the whole you know because we're not talking like we're talking about sword logic we're not talking about like a physical thing to like pick up and take like are we like the position and the power that comes with the position, but not necessarily the actual power from the sword logic because whoever takes that position didn't actually kill Orox, so technically again they couldn't use the description to bring him back. So I yes, I agree that I don't think they could. You looked like you were trying to convince yourself what you were saying through that. I was really but trying no, to like, put the saying. pieces together. I was like, okay, hold on. Let yeah, me figure no, out the right the, words. And I see what you're saying. Together. Yeah, the fact that just do you gain the power through the killing, you know, it's not something that needs to be picked up. We gained yeah. the power. It's not like based a physical on the sword logic in game thing taken. you can like walk so. over and pick up and find like in no, your story. I, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> like a quarter on the floor. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. All right, well, then I think the next part that you mentioned, which was all part of this, um, was that what if then Oryx, this is another way Oryx could survive, Oryx figured out a way to survive his death. Maybe we didn't actually find him in his real throne world. Maybe it was a fake. So I guess I would open that broadly to, hopefully, if, if this is an understanding of Michael, um, do we think that there's a way that he could have faked his death or could come back because it wasn't his real throne world. I guess I'll let you start again, Elemist. Well, like, if if it wasn't his real throne world, then, like, oh, that is an in interesting thing that I, I never really thought of. Right. It's like I mean, it was... Be. Because the thing is, it was on the Dreadnought, but granted, the first time we killed him was on the Dreadnought. And while the Dreadnought is technically his throne world... 
we killed him on the Dreadnought, and that wasn't his actual throne world. We had to go into his throne world to kill him. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Because the Dreadnought is yeah. his throne world, and his throne world is the Dreadnought. Um, I, I've heard I mean, my it. thought is, like, we read the cards about the Dreadnought being his throne world, but as we know, the cards we read were so... In the past, honestly, I mean, could we say for certain that that... He's so paranoid. How do we know that after, like, a couple hundred years, he was like, ah, crap, they figured it out. I got to move it again. You know, like, he's so paranoid. I wouldn't put it past him to create some kind of fake nonsense. Like, first he moved it to the Dreadnought. Then a couple hundred years passes, and he's like, never mind. I need to make this more twisty and turny and, like, deception wrapped around deception wrapped around more deception. Like, I would believe that he would do something like that. Like, it's a really, like, crazy theory, but it, for him, it's not really that out there. But then my further question would be, what throne world is Mara chilling in now? Because doesn't well, she have you get throne in world? to that craziness, I was just <laughs> going to mention, um, based off of everything we've learned from the Book of Sorrow, you can only die twice. The first is in the material world. And then if you quickly go before they can come back to the material world, into their throne world, they'll still be there and you can kill them. Based on that understanding, it would seem that we did kill Oryx. Granted, we found this information from Oryx, who wrote this book. So once again, we don't quite know how it works. So I think it is entirely possible that Oryx could have tricked us. There's been theories that he used us to just get rid of his worm. Um, but Ooh, I think that's his... And as far as your Mara topic, uh, she used that to get into the Ascendant Plane to get to that area. But we kind of know that she's made her own uh, throne world because she charges it with the Blind Well and through the Guardians and things like that. Um, but that's a Dreaming City conversation. Yeah, we're not going to dive into that because that's Dreaming City. And uh, there was a third part you were getting into? Yes. From that? I don't feel like I was reading this properly at all. We're yeah, going to go ahead. I'm going to... I'm going to try so, and give it a one more work real quick, uh, through the reading. I know that you also sent some Sabathun and some Quoria stuff. Let's wait on that one. You were reading a third part to what I think we yeah. just talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. One yeah. No, this is the third part directly into the link of what he was sending. Okay. Um, okay, just listen to the Tuesday show. And well, with that being said, unless the touch of malice is lost, I'd say it's almost like a Horrocks. Am I saying that what? right? Horcrux. Horcrux. Okay. From Harry Potter. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we can't find it, Orox may not be dead. There is one in the Reckoning. Also, there could be many other echoes we don't know about. Uh, yes, so he's referring to the fact that we still see echoes of Oryx, and that has been discussed. Uh, Elemist, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I was going to address the whole Reckoning bit. Um, um can you that first is... fill us in on what a Horcrux is? Because <laughs> I never saw Harry Potter. <laughs> oh. I don't understand. Real quick. Child. Just I just don't understand what quick, he's though. asking here. You say Oryx so weird that I thought you were just saying Oryx with an H. You say, <laughs> you say Orox, and so I thought you were just saying Horrox. It's Oryx. Oryx. I'm not Oryx. saying that you're wrong, but I just thought you were reading Horrox. Like, man, Oryx is really... Lost his... Uh... But yeah, so if you could just explain what a Horcrux is, because I feel like I'm not even understanding the relation he's making here. Okay, so 
a horcrux in Harry Potter is when a wizard kills somebody and splits their soul into a you know like takes a piece of their soul and puts it into an object. So, like just like touch of malice. Okay. All right, continue with your speculation further. Okay, so I, I specifically wanted to talk about the reckoning bit. Yeah. Um, we, I, I don't remember where exactly we saw it, but we do have mentions about um, how the, the echo of Oryx that we see there, the, sorry, the likeness of Oryx, yeah. it's imagined by the Drifter. It, like, it, it's powered by the hull that, you know, is behind the derelict. It's the Drifter's imagination. We don't quite know how he gets his power, but somehow he is able to make, you know, he has some access to the Ascendant Plane to make all this stuff or grab things. Yep. So we think that that's more of a... Uh, yeah, I do remember that being mentioned. It's more of a, a nightmare creation kind of thing. The scariest thing he might have been able to think of at the time. But um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was, like, if... So when the Red War happened our vault was destroyed, meaning Touch of Malice was destroyed with it. Yeah. It's very fitting that he mentioned Horcrux because if you destroy the Horcrux, that means you're one step closer to defeating whoever it was that did, you know, who created it. Yeah. Who created you know, we, it, not who's in it? Well... If you destroy the Horcrux, you're destroying that piece of the soul. And no, she so, was she was been, she was confused on were you talking about defeating the 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 owner of the soul or the person who made who put it. the soul That's in there? She, well, they're you usually one and the same. Okay, so normally it's like people are pulling out an own their piece of their own soul to like save themselves. Yeah, it, it's like hiding, a way to get immortality. Their, yeah, they hide their death. There's a lot Thank of different you. tropes about that kind of thing. Thanks. Yeah. Sorry, some of us. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but yeah. You're throwing in other stuff that I don't know now. Jeez. <laughs> Ooh, new podcast idea. Um, <laughs> but it's very fitting that he mentioned Horcrux because at this point we've killed the actual body. We've killed the soul except for the touch of malice and with the touch of malice like it, it was the red legion that that destroyed it we don't have actual confirmation that it's destroyed but we went to the old tower in in the zero hour mission and we didn't find it there's an old tower yeah that next time you hop on i'll, I'll show it to you yay adventure time yeah, and I think that point was good because that's kind of what we talked about touch of malice while you know Ares viewed it as a as a I'm going to use your power against you from the hive. <clears throat> you know, we discussed how quite possibly that could still be a piece of oryx alive. Um so I think yeah, Michael, that is a that is a great thought that at some point a piece of oryx is still around and as Elemis mentioned we don't know what happened to Touch of Malice, so at this point, that is kind of just still in the ether. Uh, Mrs. Hyven? Are we talking about Eris Morn? What about her? You just said Eris. Is that the Eris we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just the one for, for Shadowkeep. 
Yep, 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 yep. Just trying to make sure I'm following. There's a lot of, like, moving pieces in the Books of Sorrow, especially because it's going back to D1's story, and I'm not as familiar with D1's story. So I'm just trying um, to... The reference for that, for you and anyone who doesn't know, is Eris fire team died trying to get Crota. She was the only one who survived, but she was stuck down there for years, which is why she came back kind of crazy um, with three eyes and some type of interesting hive powers. But the short and sweet of it is she's the one who led us to kill Crota. She's the one who warned us that Oryx was coming. She was the one who worked with Mara to help put Mara's plan in play. And um, so she is very, very, very t uh, linked to the hive. So that's why we're talking about Eris right now. Elmas? Yeah. Uh, and, like, she has a creepy demeanor, too. Like, she's got three hive eyes, and they're all bleeding this black goo. Um, yeah, dude, I can't imagine the amount of Clorox she invests in. Right? Um, <clears throat> like, she, she speaks these creepy lines that, like... What is it? Like fingertips on her brain? <laughs> I forget that oh, quote, but Kate man. is like, okay. I'll have to look it up oh, later. I, yeah, we're going to have to look that up for the, the oh, You know what? Let's save this for the Eris episode that we said we want to do before. Because it's, yeah. this is going to be a lot of tie-in. She's been missing for a while, and that's why Shadowkeep's going to be so exciting. Um, but I think we kind of covered Michael's theory. Um, as far as that is a good point, we don't know. Touch of Malice <laughs> quite possibly could have a little piece of Oryx there. Would it be enough to bring him back? We don't know. It could have just been Oryx giving us a little piece of him as power, as a good job, you defeated me, sword logic, here's my power, you earned it. Um, yeah. Any, any final thoughts on that one? <clears throat> but now, if that is the case, then... Didn't we actually fulfill the sword logic and take his power? Yeah, so then maybe we could bring him back. Not that we would, but... Or maybe that was his whole thing. He gave us his power just through our actions. We might accidentally define him. Yeah. Good thought, good thought. All right. Well, Mrs. Ivan, you have more for us? Fan, I fan do theories indeed. Are, fan theories might just run supreme this episode, which is perfect. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, let's see. Next is actually a blurb that Michael sent us. Um, it's a screenshot he got from somewhere I don't know where, so I cannot give full credit. <laughs> Probably Destinypedia. I will look at it. All right, but anyways, um, yeah, I guess it kind of looks like a definition of some sort, so you might be right there. It's a Coria Blade Transformation. It is a Vex Axis Mind Hydra who was manifested by the Vex in order to understand and conquer Oryx's realm and the sword logic within it. It is now a powerful Taken Commander under Savathun, the Witch Queen, having mastered the power to take through its stimulation simulations of Oryx. That was taken from Destinypedia. Yep. Alright, there we go. Um, I don't know what we're supposed to speculate on. For he this. has a comment for that. Did I miss that? Uh, he says, if this is true, then Savathun has Vex do the taking for her. Oryx had that 
got that power by killing his worm gods. Did killing the worm god give him enough juice to be able to res his sisters through acting out their true nature? Is it possible she would be able to do it too? So it's once again theorizing about bringing back Oryx, uh, but does she have taken, and also does she have taken power because of Coria? That's another thing that I don't know that we know for sure. Uh, Elemist? Uh, as far as, as the taken go, like this is just pure speculation. Um, but this is what I'm thinking is that in the Books of Sorrow, we saw that Kuria could not simulate Oryx as he currently was. It was almost like, you know, his power was, was unimaginable. But also like, because it was missing the worm, which Sabathun could have introduced. Well, yes. Uh, but, but like... But yeah, Oryx said that the, you could never, with enough killing, you could still never simulate me. He's too vast and too expansive. Right. And, and the way I looked at it was, like, Oryx was alive, and he kept expanding. Well, Kuria was able to see the, the very beginning, you know, Arash. Kuria was able to simulate that. And since we killed uh, Oryx, now Kuria has the end state. You know, Oryx is not expanding anymore. So Kuria is able to see, oh, this is the peak that Oryx was able to get to. Now I can chart that path. Okay, so, okay. so you're saying that maybe just with enough time, she was able to, consent, to continue the simulation from his first form all the way to final. And what... Coria needed was just time in order to to get Oryx's most powerful form, which would include the power to take. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I, 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 you know that it Destinypedia does kind of say that. I wasn't sure that it was ever one hundred percent clarified that that was how we still have taken um, that Savathun was doing it through Coria. Um, maybe it has been confirmed. Um, yeah, maybe I was mistaken, but I wasn't sure that that was ever 100% confirmed. Uh, it Okay. <clears throat> so the actual reference that it's making is a quote from Toland. Kuria is the key. The mind simulates Oryx and thereby masters the power to take. But of course, Kuria is no power unto itself. Got it. Okay, so yes, we have not received technical confirmation because you can't really trust Tolan. But yeah, I think that's what a lot of us have theorized <laughs> anyway, that that would explain how Sabathun's able to take, and we know that Sabathun is using Coria for a lot of things. Um, yeah, that is kind of that was one of our topics to discuss too. Um, just do you want to hold off to get into more about just Coria in general? <clears throat> we might as well just jump right into it. Okay, but don't forget, we have one more fan theory. Yes, we got one from someone else, correct? Just don't. Well, why don't you read that one? Because it's also, once again, um, it's about Sabathun. All right. And we'll, that'll so, move us into our Sabathun choreo conversation. Our last fan theory is from Dust Dump at Tolan Holmes. He says, Sabathun will be involved in the Garden of Salvation raid. It was once theorized she was the darkness at the heart of the garden. 
Given probable Vec's involvement, I bet Coria will probably be the main raid boss. Oh, and Elsie Bray will make an appearance. Michael actually responds to that, saying that's who he thinks the stranger is anyways, and Stumps responds back to him, yeah, I think it's been pretty much, or I think, actually, I think it's been pretty much confirmed, I think. And yeah, so as far as the Elsie Bray stranger, yeah, Elsie Bray was is the stranger. Um, whether or not she is going to be in there, I do understand where that, that thought comes from because we know that the stranger is very linked to the Black Garden. That was her whole thing originally. Um, so that would be interesting. I think that would be really cool. Um, I almost... I think that... That would almost be too much to have this big story with all this new stuff going on with Eris and all the stuff, like all of the information about Coria and the Exo Stranger. I don't know how about you, you two feel about that, but I think that might be a little too much for uh, one expansion. Elements. They gotta save something for D3, right? <laughs> well, so I, I see it being the perfect way to bring Coria in. I think so too, but if you kill her right off the bat as the raid boss, I think that's kind of short-lived. A lot of hype right. for Coria. Well, and and so it's the perfect way to bring Coria in, but it might not be the raid boss. Um, and and like I haven't finished thinking this through, <laughs> but um, Luke Smith. In the director's cut, or at least I think it was in the director's cut. But there's there's one point where he, I remember him talking about how the story for Shadowkeep, you know, for this season is going to keep progressing until one final event, and that's going to lead into the next season. So like it's just one continuous story across the entire next year. So, I could see Shadowkeep bringing in Kuria, but I do not see Kuria being the raid boss for Garden of Salvation. Yes, he, he mentioned that something would be... We were going to play the story, and he said that uh, something would be set up for Season 9. And then in Season 9, we would have that. It would come to a close... But, but not before setting up something for season 10. And it was referenced in a way that they are going to be able to add new content without overloading, honestly, just the memory of our consoles by just giving us a new activity all the time. Uh, but each season would have something specific for us to do, but by the end of the season, it would, it would disappear. Um, and I think that's cool, not only for memory's sake, but also for story. It would actually make us feel like we had actually got something to a conclusion. You wouldn't have to explain how you can continue to, to kill the same person over and over and over, other than just game mechanics, you know? Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree with that perfectly. I think that we're definitely going to see Coria, but I don't think it's going to be the raid boss. Now, like, it would be cool if they're, you know, at the very end of the raid, if there's a cutscene of Coria watching us or something, you know? And then disappearing. Yeah. So but, I mean, do you do you even think we're going to see Sabathun in this expansion? They've talked about how it's a focus. Yeah, they've talked about how this is focusing on what Eris has been up to this whole time. I think that that is 
still a long-term goal, personally, um, that this whole expansion is going to be cleaning up whatever mess Eris kind of brought out. And then maybe it'll set up for, for later. Um, what about you, Mrs. Hyven? Any thoughts on Sabathun? And if we will see her in this next you know, expansion? Or in the raid? I don't know, but now that you talk about what Eris is bringing up, do you think we're going to see Orox in, in that? Or am I misinterpreting what she's bringing up? Um... I have a thought on that. Unless, um, just the fact that, well, we know that from what the trailer has showed us that she somehow is bringing back like all of the old like raid bosses and enemy bosses. Um, but we know that there's some type of like nightmare creation. They're not literally back. So no, while I, I think I do know we that, will saying... have, to, yeah, I think we will probably see Oryx because they, they <laughs> I think I saw Crota in there. You know, I saw Gaul. I saw some of the you know Vex raid bosses. Um, so I think Oryx might Skull have us. Yep, Skull. I think we'll see Oryx, but I don't think we're going to have Oryx come back in that expansion. Yeah, that I mean, be. that's what I meant. Like, in the sense of come back as whatever <clears throat> these things are. No, I don't. I think if Oryx comes back, it is not going to be until we've already seen Sabathun. I mean, because let's think about it. They still have Sabathun and Zivu, Arath. We've never, I haven't seen any reference yeah. to Zivu Arath. They so, still have a lot to play with. You know, how you, you can't back. bring back. They've literally already been killed. Yeah, you can't bring back Oryx, who had a whole, like, season, when you still haven't gone into yeah. depth on Sabathun. And you've had this much story about the other two. All right. Elemist? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, we actually have had a few references to Zivu. Uh, in, specifically in the Dreaming City. We've seen her daughter's son. Um, we've seen, I think, a couple ogres that are loyal to her but i i don't remember their actual titles but didn't we also think that quite possibly that could have been sabathun taking some of her brood yeah still her, the references to sivu arath are very minimal compared to sabathun it, right right um so yeah it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how things go yeah yeah for me it's we had set up for orcs we saw Oryx. We're having set up for Sabathun. I think we're going to see Sabathun next, as far as Hive um, hierarchy is concerned. Um, I think we covered that question thought pretty well. Um, yeah. We're going to go into a little bit more conversation just about Coria in general in just a bit. Uh, but And then so the other thought about the stranger being there, um, I don't know. I don't... Uh, they said that they... I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see the stranger. I, I really have no clue. They gave us the information about Elsie Bray being the stranger, but that was it. Um, what perfect way to bring her back? You know, the Vex I, I are, are recreating the heart you know, of the Black Garden or something, and so she's showing up to, to help us fight it. And, you know, I was thinking that maybe she didn't link in, but maybe that's how the raid ties in the story you know normally we've had a raid tie into the main uh story of like the expansion and so i was kind of curious how we thought that the black garden raid you know the, the garden of salvation would tie into what was going on for eris but maybe it doesn't maybe uh we finish up whatever's going on with eris in this in the story and maybe like you said that is the tie-in to season 
nine. Is that the one we're coming up with? Yeah. Um, and then I think if that was the case, then that's perfect. Tie in Stranger and make it be about the Stranger again. And and that could make sense. Um, like, I know that I've been trying to figure out how these new nightmares are linking to the Vex. But that that's... Well, that's my question. Well, for... well, I guess, do you think that that Vex raid is going to be related directly to the story or do you think it's more of a standalone thing i i don't think it's going to be standalone i didn't at first but sometimes but now i'm wondering based off of what luke smith said about kind of like setting up for a new season kind of thing so i'm not sure maybe I'm, i'm just being hopeful and thinking that like it's all going to be one large story just kind of like how forsaken went where you know, Aldrin is is trying to unlock the Dreaming City. And then we move to the Dreaming City, and there's this whole other plot that is just unfolding. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping that it's something similar to that. Where it's like, we're dealing with this one thing, and then all of a sudden, the aftermath of that it leads to something else. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's kind of what they... That's what was... Which what was it? The uh, wasn't the announcement, but it was it was when they announced like all of the cool stuff coming. When they announced Shadowkeep and Cross Save and all that stuff. When right, they the sat down, with, like yeah, the live stream. When they sat down with the writing team, that was how. Because a lot of people asked about answers to like Aldrin and Mar and all that stuff. They said that this was going to be for Eris, what the Dreaming City and all those lore books were for Mara. So I think that is exactly right. what we're gonna get. And so as far as the information about Elsie Bray being the stranger, uh, we basically received confirmation of that uh, through in-game. It wasn't exactly a mission, but in-game consumables that we received in the Warmind expansion, the Lost Memory Fragments. And actually, Mrs. Hyven found a nice little description of that on uh, Game Rant, you said? Yes, it is Game Rand article uh, titled Destiny's Exo Stranger Identity Revealed, and it's written by Rory Young. Um, <clears throat> a little paragraph blurb in here reads, In the Warmind expansion, lost memory fragments are hidden throughout Mars. As players destroy more and more of them, they'll be rewarded with items with text that make it clear that the memories belong to Elsie. She mentions studying the Vex, working on a time travel device, and ultimately having to delete and hide away her research so it wouldn't be used by her family. Her notes are logged as a countdown to divergence, though it's unclear whether the divergence implies her becoming an XO, another of Bray family's technologies, or beginning her travel through time. But this is clearly when Elsie stepped out of her role as an engineer for the Bray family and into her role as the stranger. Yep. And just, I, I was just going to read just the one, the last one we got, if you guys are okay with that, just so you can kind of see what you're looking for. This is, uh, we won't go, this is another topic in itself. We can go over the braise and, and that, but just, uh, I, th- I think this is, I think we received five, and the last one reads, two days until divergence. I'm out of time. All I've got to hold on to is the hope that I've moved enough of my tech into the vaults, and that the visions of the future I've seen are accurate, that somehow... Divorced from time and space, my words find you. Please tell Anna I'm sorry, and that I never wanted her to be dragged into this. 
You were smart enough to break my code, so I'll put my trust in you to use what I've created to make things right. One day, this will all make sense, I promise. This item may be safely discarded. Um, so I th basically, she made a message that was coded to whoever received it, and we cracked that code. Um, so it was speculated that you know, two days to divergence was her quite possibly going into an exo body, as Game Rant mentioned. So all but confirmed that Elsie Bray is the stranger. Um, anything else on that, or should we get right back into Books of Sorrow? Right. I kind of feel like we. Uh, <laughs> I kind of feel like we diverged a bit. We did. We but we said we were going to follow the, uh, the fan theories. Yeah, we did. Go. We did. All right. Well, I think that concludes fan theories as far as reading, specifically from what we received. Um, unless you have another one, Mrs. Hyven. We'll move into just our quick, our general, our quick, our general discussion. Nope, that's it for fan theories. Um, but just to plug, I did post the question about your guys' favorite memories. So um, I posted it tonight, uh, Saturday, when we're recording this. So if you haven't already seen it, go back, find it, and um, answer. We already have one from good old Orchid. So everyone else, answer, answer, answer. <laughs> we want to hear about your memories. But that's all for uh, our fan theories and Twitter updates. <laughs> Let's Getting move her into early your guys' speculations. Oh, I got shout-outs. Okay. Okay, so we just have some general topics. We've discussed some of these, but we'll just go through them a little bit more. Uh, so the first one is Sabathun, and specifically we mentioned talking about Quaria um, and about her graffiti in the Books of Sorrow. Um, so where do we want to start? Does anyone have some theories about Sabathun or Quaria or her work in the black hole, Truth to Power, any of that stuff where we want to get started? I'm not going to dive into Truth to Power because that's... that's. Don't quite like, even know where that's from. Right, like that's well, four the only... or five different dives. <laughs> well, I do want to dive into Truth to Power, but only slightly. Uh, basically, that's where we find that Sabathun is using the black hole that the Books of Sorrow talk about her diving into. She tried to use that black hole to trick her worm um, to basically, she tried to mess with time. So, if you know anything about black holes and science, that time moves slower when you're by a black hole. Um, so, she basically tried to trick, she tried to have the rest of the world move faster while she was in this black hole, therefore gaining tons and tons of tribute. But it didn't work out because her worm realized that it was being tricked and in a black hole. But that's kind of a little bit of what we got about Truth to Power, about her trying to make what was referred to a murder battery, um, where she could gain more tribute than she used, and that was her way of trying to get around tribute. Uh, Mrs. Hyven? I just, I don't have much speculating for this episode, mm -hmm. but I kind of like Coria. I like her scrappiness. Sabathun or Coria? You mean Sabathun? Nope, Coria. We haven't talked about Coria. What, what about Coria? Somebody asked something about Coria speculation at the beginning before we started Truth to Power. Uh, I just wanted to point that out. Oh, okay, okay. I like yeah. her scrappiness. Well, yeah, that's all I wanted to mention that's about all. the whole Truth to Power thing. <laughs> that's all I got for the rest uh, of so the So if podcast. you want to go into Coria, then. <laughs> but I think that is when she moved on to using Coria for something. The black hole didn't quite work 
for sustaining her worm that way. Uh, so that's now we see that the truth to power goes into a lot about Sabathun, but we don't know how much of it is actually true or where it comes from because it's like Eris pretending to be someone else who's pretending to be Eris, but not actually Eris, but not actually Medusa. But yeah, we need to do that book. It's in the poll, I think. Is it? Maybe not. Not yet. Okay. Later. Because like that—that's going to be a whole mind trip. What do you any you have anything, Elemist, on Sabathun as a whole? Any aspects that you want to get into? I think we've covered a little bit of it. Um, I kind of just wanted to talk about her black hole theory, the theory of the black hole, and See, what she's doing with Corey. I think we've kind of talked about. For me, it's not so much a theory or anything. It's more just like I'm trying. Like I can see the books of sorrow graffiti. Okay, mm-hmm. I can see mm-hmm. both arguments that everything's that, a lie, but also Sabathun's a lie, right? <laughs> because if the lie, if the trickster is telling you it's a lie, are you really sure you should believe it? Yeah, that's like that whole "this statement is a lie" thing, right? <laughs> exactly. Because then, if it is a lie, <laughs> then I can't believe. The then statement. it can't be. A, Right. But if it's true, then it just contradicted itself and said it's a lie. I I feel you there. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about her graffiti in there. Which is why I said my personal bias is I trust Oryx over Sabathun. I don't know if I trust any of them, but Sabathun is inherently, her nature is trickery. So, And I, I can agree with that. That was a bias that I, I hadn't really thought of and understood. Um, but seeing it now, yeah, I, I agree completely. I just thought about something. This is more of like a devil's advocate going like all the way down the other road. Is Does Coria exist? Not anymore. Sorry, does, is Coria still around? Because... We learned in the Books of Sorrow, Oryx found Coria to not be very useful. He gave her to Sabathun. So is Sabathun using Coria to do all this stuff? Or is Sabathun playing up her own skill and her usefulness? Does that make sense? We've never actually seen Coria. We just keep getting all, the, all this speculation about Coria. I just want to throw it in there. Was Coria useless? Did Sabathun even use Coria? Like I said, as crazy as you can probably get, but I derailed you two pretty quick. I've been laughing so hard. I just was like over here bouncing up and down. I needed to focus you. Does Corey exist? And I just like stopped. And like, you went on to finish that sentence. But in that moment, I was like, like ever? Is this all? (laughs) Is it all a lie? It just like it like stopped me in my tracks. I was I mean, dying. <laughs> honestly, yeah. I mean, we don't have the only information we have about Coria is from Oryx, and Oryx says Coria wasn't very useful. Gave her to Sabathun, and so like I think sometimes we maybe read in a little too far into the importance. But like, what if Sabathun is just like you know? I know that Oryx talked about this. Vex that I have, it really couldn't simulate Oryx, but maybe I can trick everyone into thinking that I am the new Taken King. That's probably the craziest, like, non... any any type of backing at all I, I could probably make, but... 
So then she has a way of actually taking. Or she doesn't have that power. That the taken that are around are the taken that are still here. We didn't kill every single taken. Who's to say that the taken are following Sabathun specifically? I mean, I guess we do have. Yeah. That's all I'll say for that. You know what? I'm behind it. Like I said, I was trying to play completely crazy right there. I'm totally behind it. I don't know. That's why I had said earlier, did we ever get confirmation that Sabathun is using Coria to take and now has the power of the deep? Don't take Coria from me. I like her scrappiness. She's well, she was scrappy. scrappy. <laughs> she tried. Or why? Well, number one, it's a Vex. Why are we saying he or she? I don't know where that came from. We discussed that before. I don't know either but you know what i'm gonna give her the pronoun her and she right now because i just i don't like the bad connotation that's circling around the word it lately okay okay that's so fine. we're gonna define a pronoun because i feel like <laughs> it is almost rude lately i mean i guess we could go they and them but that might get a little confusing with the plural sound to it okay fine we'll we'll as a podcast refer to Corey as she we'll follow the rest of it thank you I just feel like it's kinder. Yes. In, no, I will in this day and age, I feel as though it comes off as has a bad connotation lately. I'm kind of wondering if all of the the calling Korea a, a she came about because of Med, uh, Medusa. Mm, I think you're right. right. Power book. If was it Korea talking to us, simulating Eris kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think I derailed an, us enough with that. Um, yeah. It's just, I, if, if it's out there, let me know. I, you know, I am not up on every single bit of lore. Uh, I used to follow. No. I used to watch a lot of the YouTube videos, all the okay. lore masters off and all that the, kind of stuff. Podcast. But just know that I know Total for a fact that a lot of stuff I missed <laughs> out on. Um, so if there is confirmation that Sabathun is using Coria to take... Please let me know. Please send me that. And I, I don't mean speculation, but as far as some in-game lore, let me know. But, yeah, you can send a speculation, too. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I, I <laughs> don't know that that... Ex I don't remember that existing. Uh, so that's why I say that, how do we know that Sabathun does it? If you crushed your world. <sighs> Mr. Anyway. Kevin, this should be the gang. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, are you guys... Anything else to add on Sabathun? I'd like to add on of theories. to the fact that I just realized a podcast has never been done without elements. <laughs> You've been gone for a pool podcast before, and I've left at times. Bits you of weren't on for the first couple, yeah. Yeah, but a podcast has never been done without elements. Elemist is. This should be the gang. <laughs> he's, he's looking up at his room right now. <laughs> Well, that's why we rotate co-hosts. Me and Elmist really made this show together, kind of. I don't think either of us could take full credit. But I made this show a show. Yes, yes. I, guys, the I just found out that somebody actually favorites me on this podcast. And you already talked about that. Oh, I don't know if that well, was going to get edited. My response to that was... <laughs> actually just, likes me. I was shocked. I thought, uh, I thought nobody enjoyed me on this podcast. I was pretty sure I was just like what everybody put up with. No, you're. I mean, that's what we. Okay, <laughs> and we would have had you on the podcast because you're my wife and I love you. And if you want to be on here, we'll have fun. But 
We had you That's on here for, started. but we did say like y- there is a reason behind you not having as being as versed in the lore. You bring an outside it perspective. It was a different perspective, but I felt but like you're that also was just very BS fun and crazy. Said to so. to make it make sense. <laughs> nah, maybe, maybe a little bit. I I apologize, everyone. I really just kind of ruined everything with that last theory on Coria. <laughs> so let's move uh, on to Sav- to Zivu Arath. You always ruin everything. JK, love you. I know you have it linked later on, the link to the Ahamkara, but I, I want to put a little bit of it in here because Sivu Arath fought the Ahamkara for thousands of years. How do you feel about that, Elmas? He just took your show notes and just threw them away. They're more guidelines than actual rules. <laughs> I like it. <clears throat> such, such a diplomatic answer. <laughs> so real quick, just to, to remind everyone, Pardon now me. arrives... <laughs> now arrives Zivu Arath at the head of her armada. She fights the Harmony for 50 years with strategies and discipline. But the Harmony turn to dragon wishes, and their, wisher, their, their wishful bishops wrestle Zivu in the Ascendant Plane. Zivu falls in deadlock. And then it goes on to say that Sabathun fights for like 100 years, and then Oryx. So, but basically, Zivu Arath was in a deadlock with... Um, dragon wishes for yeah. a long, long time. And in the card before that, verse 5-3, this is where it says, uttered by Zivu Arath, god of war, she mentions the dragons. Our god should be ours alone. Their smug freedom is an insult to me. I'd shut them all in cells. Bring them to me. So, Elamist, what do you want to talk about Azivu Arath? Do you want to talk about the Ahamkara, or do you have some other things about her? That's kind of like one of my main things. Oh, let's talk about those wish dragons. All right. So do you think she's got knowledge that we could benefit from? When we see her, will wish dragons be linked? Do you think part she the, could follow? Part of the problem there... So part of the problem there is that... <clears throat> When we get to the Dreaming City, Riven is the last known Ahamkara. Last known. There could be a huge plot twist that, like, you know, they're still out there. They're not extinct. Um, and we could benefit from, from info from Zivu, but would she be willing to give it? Yeah, I was just going to comment, at, you know, what I just read. I'd shut them all in cells, bring them to me. So, who's to say when Zivu Arath arrives, she doesn't have Ahamkara to do her bidding. Oh. As, much as, as much as you can have Ahamkara to do your bidding. But she didn't like that they were free because they're worm gods, as we theorized, who are some type of race, similar at least, were not completely free. So... Maybe she just wanted them to be stuck by those same rules. In the oh. same way, kind of, Riven is a, was kind of, not exactly captured, but used by Mara. And now, well, was used by Sabathun. Um, I just think it would be interesting. I think it would be kind of a cool opportunity to see Ahamkara come back because of Zivu. Paradise so. is a prison if you can't leave. <laughs> I mean, she, she's the one... So, you know, Sabathun went to the black hole. Oryx stayed here. We saw Oryx. Zivu Arath seems to have gone the farthest 
Um, and if the Amkar weren't all gone, she sounds like she wanted to capture them. So that was that was kind of my little crazy link to Ahamkara and Sabathun. Man. I mean Sivo Rat, sorry. And like I hadn't paid attention to that that locking them in cells. Yeah, she didn't say I want to kill them all. I'd shut them all in cells, bring them to me. So who's to we... say that her defeating the Harmony wasn't capturing all those? Because this was before she fought them for all that time. Yeah. Maybe she kept the Ahamkara for herself. That's a pretty powerful sister. I am more scared of her now than I was originally. Right. I think we are all assuming that Zivu is like the weakest of, as far as like intellect. And like, no, maybe not the weakest, but we think she's just a big army, you know, kind of like brute strength, because she's not the navigator or the trickster. She's just war. But I don't think it's going to be the case. I think it's going to be pretty crazy when we see her. But now she's got a whole army of wish dragons that are just <laughs> giving her wishes. Yeah, man. Crazy. Now, now here's something to think about. Would the wishes from an Ahamkara go sour for a hive? Because I think they'd go sour for anyone. We see for a fact that the Ahamkara have their own um, agenda. Well, because like, we've only seen them grant wishes for humanity. Or, well, the, or the nine. Yeah, the nine got something from him. Well, if if the theory that the worm gods and the Ahamkara are the same, the worm gods granted wishes for the sisters, but just like Ahamkara, there were strings attached. That is very Ahamkara-like. Um, that kind of falls into the we still need that confirmation that they're the same, into well species in some way. Uh, we know now that the Ahamkar are shapeshifters, They're, so it would make sense that they could look like anything. Uh, yeah. I, I don't have a lot on Zebu Wrath other than that, other than the fact that she's had a long time to amass an army, um, so I think anything could be, could be coming our way. The only other thing I do want to touch on, uh, the link to the Ahamkara, I see it as a branched evolution. Mm, uh, that would be a perfect explanation. The like they have a, a the Ahamkara and the Hive, the the worms have some base, you know, um, ancestor, and the Ahamkara. Evol- you know, branched out and evolved a certain way to feed off of, you know, wishes gone sour, whereas the hive branched off and feed off of the host. You ready for me to blow things out of the wire again? The Leviathan was the original, and it punished its bad children into the fundament. Uh, <laughs> even more Let's even one step further. The <laughs> Leviathan that is currently eating Nessus <laughs> is built out of the carcass of that Leviathan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, now we're just getting crazy. You ready to move on? I'm ready. All right, we have next is Oryx. 
I think we covered Oryx pretty good. you have anything else, either of you, to add to Oryx? Yeah, I think we kind of covered the fact that a lot through our fan theories that... Just that um, <clears throat> he's totally sponsored by Clorox, but... No. Yes, he's sponsored by Clorox. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he kills all his enemies. He just makes them drink bleach. Yeah, well, that's at least how he cleans it up. Well, how do, how do you expect him to keep his throne world so clean? Gotta keep it clean for guests. <laughs> or six of them might just come in and kill you. Right? I've heard that happens. <laughs> Not gonna lie, Allie I don't... has taken too long of a nap. She's trying to rally up Kona. Go back Not to sleep. Not gonna lie. I, I I don't think we're gonna have many bloopers for this episode. You're just gonna leave it all in? Yeah. Well, I feel yeah, like right. this is I the episode so where too. it kind of can just flow like this. It's not like it's the only, yeah. in between. I'm down with that. The only thing right. we cut out would be that long section where we looked for cards completely yeah, irrelevant right. to the hive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even think that it needs to be in bloopers. Honestly, that's just yeah. No, mess. that's what I'm saying. Just gone. All right. Well, yeah. The only thing I was saying was yeah. I think we've already theorized about. Oryx coming back? Did Oryx put these things in play? Are these books true? Um, we got a lot. We've had a lot of Oryx. Um, so our next thing on the list is the supporting characters slash the defeated races. Are there any of the races you are interested in the most? Me personally, I would have to say the Ammonite were very interesting, but as we were just talking about, the Harmonies and Wish Dragons seem pretty. Pretty interesting. Uh, does anyone favorite favorite extinct race? What do you guys think? <laughs> Mrs. Ivan. Do you even remember? There's a bunch. I don't remember them all. Yeah, God. We have um, we have the Ammonites. We have the Taishabeth. We have the Harmony. We have the Gift Mass. That was part of the Harmony. I don't know. Harmony I was guess the gift mass. two things I would say would be I really enjoyed saying the word Taishabethy. That was just fun. And um, our conversation on the Ammonites when I was like, I'm pretty sure it's like a biblical time society or culture. And you guys were like, Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I'm at with those. <laughs> oh, and, and like Teox, that would kind of, can she's been with a lot of these races. That's ah, another Teox. link also. Also kind of. Before we get in Teox there. though, what about you, Elmas? Do you have a favorite race? Harmony. I used to think it was the Taisha Beth because I was curious about the Taisha Beth Raven, but for me it's the Harmony. I want to know what in the world they were doing with Wish Dragons. Mm. Well, because like I want to know about the planet that they come from. Like, are the Wish Dragons native there, or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... What? Because like that would solve my whole branch evolution dilemma. <clears throat> that's true. And also. I'm more curious about them because of the gift mass and the whole thing where, like, the traveler gave their black hole power. Uh, you know, I'm really curious. The, the traveler has done something different for every race it followed. Like, we didn't get the same treatment that these other ones did. So, like, that's... I, I want more information on each one of these battles. I hope we get it maybe from, like, the viewpoint of the other sisters or something. Um, as far as, like... Key players, like the Tai Shabethi Raven was powerful. Uh, the Ammonites, I don't know why, I always thought of them as kind of like Vex-like at one point. They sounded kind of... Are those the ones I'm thinking of who sounded 
more mechanical in their think their no. No, I think I'm combining. Didn't the Taishi Bethy like cut off certain parts of their body? Or was that the Ammonites? Oh here it is. Sorry, the other race I kept the Ecumene. That's the other one. Sometimes yeah, I get the Ammonites and the Ecumene <laughs> confused for some reason. It's so many dead civilizations, I mean. <laughs> so if we go back to the beginning then, first we had the Ammonite. That's their first race they destroy. Um, and we have Chroma Admiral Refrit. That was turned into a temple once they killed him. So once again, the races seem to be huge. And then it went on to, I think, the Ecumene after that. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know if we have too much more on supporting characters, defeated races. Um, I guess, what about Teox? Mrs. Hyven, you were pretty uh, vocal about Teox in the past. Yeah, Teox is kind of... I mean, don't get me wrong, I think the sisters are... too, but... I mean, like, Teox, stay in your lane. That's that's how I feel. Is that an acceptable answer for you guys? <laughs> and why is that? Because you... Well, I would say, do you view... Well, the sisters... Because Teox was like, I'm just going to kill this dad, and then I'm going to kill the sisters, and yeah. then I'm just going to take over. I and I can do that, that because I'm going to have a longer life than most people and nothing to do with it because I didn't have them babies. Well, I was just going to say, you know, there's movies and stories where somebody has to usurp the royalty because, you know, there's horrible sure, royalty and then they turn really to the good like guy. The and that's what Aeox did. So, I mean, doing anything bad in that situation. Like, in fact, they were actually trying to get back to save everyone from that giant way and in reality they became what they became because they were trying to find a save for that giant wave and i'm not saying what they did was right but teox also was just not helpful yeah my biggest thing is teox is painted in a bad picture in the books of sorrow because they're written from oryx but teox <laughs> also was on the side of all of the races that were um imbued with power by the Traveler. So if you want to go with our black and white sense, Teox was on the Traveler side, the sisters well, on the darkness the side, either. So. Look, I don't trust the yeah. sisters, I don't trust Teox, I don't trust the Traveler. I'm just gonna can go... Don't... Can you trust anyone? No. No, you can't. Don't trust them. <laughs> Never trust them. Don't trust them. Alright. <laughs> Elemis, any <laughs> thoughts on Teox? Well, I think we can trust her more than Savathun. Um, <laughs> too. I think well, because a lot of the races got a lot of good information from Teox in order to help them fight. Yeah, you think she could visit us? Oh, that that would if she's still alive, though. That's what was my next question. Do you think she still exists, or if this is just like, or if, if she like, does, Teox, it's because Teox she's doing shady again. things too. Well, you know, my thing is, remember, this is this is written at Oryx's viewpoint. Is this Oryx just kind of like shaking his fist in the air going, oh, Teox strikes again. She must or have given them the information. The yeah, is, oh. is Teox the, the boogie monster for Oryx and the sisters because they vowed to take her down? Or oh. is she real? 
Well, not real, but still around. Right, like you're you're thinking she died with the God Wave. Yeah. And... Maybe she she never got off the planet. Right, and Oryx, being as paranoid as he is, is thinking, oh, these other races know this much because Teox is with them. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how did he... He's writing this book saying that Teox is doing this stuff. How does he know that Teox is giving these races information? He has to assume. No part in the book do we hear him say, I confronted Teox. We had one of those movie-style conversations where we explained our plans to each other before we fought, and then we <laughs> ran out of time in the scene, so somebody got away. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't happen here. Jeez. So, yeah. I, I, I could see the argument for both. Yeah. I could see the argument for both. Where I don't think... Teox is dead for, and has been for millennia, and on the other hand, she's still alive, just in cryosleep. Which, it would be cool. Because they did mention her being kind of in cryosleep at one point. They woke her up in the cards somewhere along the line to get information out of her, so... I don't know. It, it would I think cool we won't know until see we see her. Back. Yeah, I don't think we would know until she, unless she shows up. Yeah. Um, and then our last topic here is on the, the link between the Traveler and the Deep. What's going on? Do we get anything from this book that we want to discuss? Traveler is shady. Well, yeah. I always feel. I think even we... Go ahead. I mean, come on, the, the God Wave. Well, that was like... the thing. Who made the God Wave? Remember there's that conversation where the Leviathan is talking to them and they're saying, you know, the Traveler formed this God Wave, but then the Leviathan makes it sound like that was not the case. Uh, I don't know what card that is. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I do. Um, Once again, Oryx's bias. Was it the Leviathan card, or was it the Syzygy? I don't know. That. I think it, it, it was not in 1. It is in verse... I'm looking for it right now. Here it is. Verse 2-8. We'll give the old lunk a word. Um, ruin, grief and ruin, the krill lost, the ammonite ravaged, our traveler's work undone. Sisters of Orach, open your eyes. Who made you monsters? Who summoned the wave? Make peace. Join with me in golden renewal. So the Leviathan argued that it was the worm gods who made the worm, I mean the uh, the the Zizigi, the wave, therefore manipulating the sisters from the very, very beginning. Well, that's a possibility. Yeah. All right. Well, I think everybody <laughs> There's just tell so much every... speculation at this point. It's just like, yup, anything can happen. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, it, it's, I think everyone is getting um, a little... My brain's just tired right. from it. <laughs> uh, I know that we recorded with Focus Fire just last night. I know Elemis didn't get a lot of sleep. He looks like he's getting really tired. I think Mr. Hyvin is starting to shut down, too. Uh, is, is that sound about right? It, about it, right. it also doesn't help that, like, it's almost midnight. Yeah, exactly. Jeez, when did that happen? Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> 
Yeah, so I think we could continue speculating for long periods of time, but just to end it all, I think the thought here is that the Traveler and the Deep, the darkness and the light, while they seem to be two opposing forces, I think it's pretty safe to say that they both have their own... They both, they both have a goal, and it's really just to exist. And I think sometimes you look at the actions to deem who's right and who's wrong. But I think in the end, it's really just about existence. And I think you got to open your mind to... They, bite, they both might be wrong in some regards. They both, both might be right in some. As Elma said, you got to mix those two thoughts together. It's yin and yang. Symmetry might be right, man. You might need both. Yeah. And until Absolutely. we really kind of see the origin of them, I don't think we'll know. So that is kind of what everything's about. You know, that's what we see with Shin. That's what we see with Oryx. Everything is all. That's what we have. It's always, it's the battle between the light and the dark. And the Books of Sorrow are kind of just one side of that. All right. If we have nothing all else to add, right. we'll go ahead and conclude the episode. We'll go ahead and move to shoutouts. Uh, Elmist, would you like to kick us off? Uh, giving a shout out to Blue Crew 86 and Green Eye Music Lover because we recorded Friday night slash Saturday morning and it was fun as heck. Uh, we recorded for four hours. Like, I looked at the stream and it was four hours and five minutes. Um, <laughs> But it was just, it was fun. And shout out to Mrs. Hyven for making that happen. I mean, Hyven and I are two introverted guys. We wouldn't have reached out like that. <laughs> I was like, should I do it, guys? Should I message them? And they were like, I mean, um, uh, 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 I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I'm just, I just, I did it. I sent it. It's been done, you guys. <laughs> Yep. Can't take it back now. <laughs> well, if that is all, I'll move on to my shout-outs. Uh, yeah, same as Elemist. Um, I, even on the episode, still felt like I maybe didn't quite fit in. And uh, by the end, if you do listen to it, I got a lot more comfortable, I think. But uh, it was definitely fun. It was an experience that I definitely enjoyed. I would love to to be back on someday where I feel a little bit more comfortable and um cannot feel so awkward um yeah and like i said shout out to mrs hyven i was so nervous that i almost wanted to bail because i just didn't think that i would be able to to do a great job and i still don't think i did a great job but um (laughs) yeah i don't know if i feel like i did not give i don't know if i give guardians of lore a great name but i did have a lot of fun by the end of it all it was a fantastic time i felt i got to feel like i was just kind of conversing with the crew i always kind of listened to and feel like in my own head you know we're having conversation back and forth uh because i'm not always because it's so late i usually don't tune into the stream so i think i might try to do that a little bit more so shout out to elemis to being a co-host with me mrs hyven for getting us on there and uh everyone involved with uh, focus fire chat for making it a great experience now here's something to think about you are, are saying like you know still don't think we we did that good of a job we did a good enough job that we have an open invitation. Yeah, they claim that they enjoyed us there. So whether they <laughs> lied to me because they like to be nice to all their guests, 
Thanks for making me feel good, guys. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. That's hysterical. Um, yeah, so obviously reiterate those shout-outs. Um, and there's been some talk of maybe one of them coming over here to do our thing with us, maybe at one point. So hopefully we can get that uh, on the book, too. Episode, some... Yeah, um, hopefully we can get that on the books once we've uh, gotten ourselves together. But um, I wanted to go ahead and shout out just a couple of our followers. Obviously, uh, Michael and Stump for sending in um, fan theories. We really appreciate that. Um, as you can tell, it it took off um, through all of the conversation and the speculation. You guys gave us a really good um, jumping off point and um, a lot of discussion. So we really appreciate that. That was awesome. And then I also wanted to shout out another uh, Twitter follower, um, Ian Beardad at BitDead77. Um, like every week he tweets out just like kind of clumps of like, hey, this is a good this, this is a good this. And um, as far as entertainment or um, gaming podcasts, we're always like one of the, I think there's always like maybe 12 total 12 to 14 total. We're always one of them. And it's been consistent for weeks and weeks and weeks now. Um, so, and I never reply because I'm always just like, I don't know what to say back to this. I always just like it. But so I just want to take the time to shout out that I really appreciate that every week he just promotes our podcast. Um, with well, who is that again? Good One more time. It is Ian Beardad at... Mm-hmm. Bit dead seventy seven. Nice. So yeah, um, just and really what, appreciate it. And Joey, if you weren't going to do it, Joey for his shout out. Ah yes, that too. Yes, for his shout out and Orchid for also shouting out um, us as well. So it's just been really awesome. Every day I get on Twitter and there's just something new from everyone, and it's it's really crazy to me. We have um. I think 100 official subscribers or more to the actual podcast, you know, 259 followers. Um, And honestly, I'm constantly in shock every time somebody else follows us because I'm just like, why? Um, (laughs) You know, I'm still blown away by it. I'm blown away by the fact that anybody wants to listen to us. So it's really cool Um, to all of like just the clan members for Hyven and Elemist as well. You know, thanks for being the early supporters and for encouraging them to do this instead of just, you know, like word vomiting in Discord. Because um, it's really just created a lot of fun for us. And uh, in about two months, it'll be the one-year anniversary of the podcast, October. So that oh, yeah. in and of itself is also very Are you crazy. serious? Honestly, yeah. I was looking at this and realized that we're already on episode 34. And I was like, wow, yeah. when we hit 50, that's going to be a big thing. It is. It really is. And it's been really, really crazy. Um, you know what else is disappointing? A year and we're only now getting like intro and outro music. <laughs> hey, we got a logo. We got intro. We got outro. Like, we're doing it. We're doing Look, it. Look, we, we knew nothing when we started this. So Right. I, Thank you for learning. It was never promised yeah. high quality With just us. to try to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we really hope that everyone does have fun. At the end of the day, that's the only thing that we can try to guarantee. Because we certainly have fun and we hope you guys feel that too. But yeah, so just a shout out to all of those followers and just everyone who supports us. It's kind of crazy and um, we never expected it. <laughs> so thanks, guys. 
Thanks for making us feel like we're not just sitting here talking to ourselves. Although Which, I do that on the regular anyways. Right, like, <laughs> even if we were, Crazy. we would be. Even if this is just Mrs. Hyven's Destiny Laura education, that would be acceptable as well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so sure. I could rant and rave about our followers and all of the great communications all night long. But like we said, it's almost midnight, so I should probably wrap it up. All right, then. Well, to finish off our podcast, we don't have any official reminders other than just, well, actually, we do. Um, listen to the Focus Fire chat episode. If you're not already listening to Focus Fire Chat, but you listen to us, you're probably making a mistake. <laughs> so um, please, I think it's okay. We're different, you know. If you if you want to hear the lore books read, come to us. But either way, it's, I yeah. feel like you don't just discover They're our podcast worth... without hearing a Focus Fire Chat first. They're both worth a listen. Different but go styles. ahead and go ahead exactly. and listen to Focus Fire Chat, the episode we were on. Uh, it was a fun time. Uh, I probably won't re-listen to that because I will cringe at hearing myself. <laughs> uh, but please do that. Um, hit up the Twitter question that Mrs. Hyven had of... We got a poll oh, up. We got a question the, up. What was the question? We uh, shouted out Michael and retweeted his tweet requesting that everybody uh, comment back on their most memorable Destiny moment. Ah, yes. So we want to hear your guys's. Um, and again, additionally, the poll is up. All four of those books will be done. Um, it's just in a matter of what order. Also, and spoiler alert, we may or may not have a guest host ourselves for Chronicon. Oh, it yeah? sounds like we might just have convinced Kitia, our Twitter follower. Well, now uh, <laughs> she's not going to come on. You just scared her away. Nope. Well, yes, anyway. No, I'm now I'm announcing it, so she feels more pressured. But no, I really adore her. In case you guys don't know, uh, Kitia is also Orchid. She's Kitia on, um, I don't know if I'm saying that wrong, apologies, on Twitter, Orchids uh, for her gamer tag. Um, she's awesome. She's been a long, long time supporter, probably one of the first persons to like. Part of the original clan who got us kind of going on our old clan podcast. So she's been awesome, and she has um, implied that she would come on for Chronicon, but now I'm saying it and putting it out there so she feels pressured. (laughs) But uh, she's actually who I've been messaging during this recording tonight. And she's, yeah, she's awesome. And I would love some more female presence to come hang out with me. All right then. Well, and actually, in fact, like she was the one who suggested we do a podcast. She was. She actually. She was. Uh, uh, this whole thing she came about. What she suggested. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. She was the one who suggested we just make it a podcast instead of a, a chat room kind of thing. So. Yeah. All right then. Well, those are the reminders. And because I am the host tonight, one final reminder. And because I feel like I'm going to use my power for evil. Make sure to vote on the Twitter poll for Nothing Ends, because that is the only proper option. And with that, (laughs) because that's what I voted for, with that, I think we are signing off. Yep. Sounds good. Take care. Bum, bum, bum. Goodbye. Bye, guys. I already made it. I already wrote it. I'm on top of my shit. Um, hey guys, you're being recorded. It'll avoid legal snaps by telling people they're being recorded, even though you get the same message. I actually, I only get that it's recording. Mm -hmm. I don't get that legal. No, it's the person who starts it. It's basically just like, don't get yourself in trouble. (laughs) All right. State of Virginia.
Yes, Hyvin, would you like to say something? I'd like to start. Oh, okay. <laughs> Begin. Isn't that fun, guys? Oh my god, this is so awesome. <laughs> I know I'm, it's going to be used on me most of the times, but still, it's still going to be great. <laughs> right. <clears throat> we need to have, like, a, what is it, the award ceremony music? Yeah, so, like, the off? whole time during there, I was like, Elemis, you can start. And I kept uncomfortably saying, I rant too much, but I was quiet and, like, silent the whole time. So I was like, people think I'm a weirdo. No one's going to listen to us. <laughs> I'm only I appreciated that friends. Green made me still feel very welcomed, even though I was not like there. Like A, she would comment on things that I wrote, or B, she would write back to him, or just C, like she would always try to make mention that there was like a third party to our podcast, even though I wasn't there. Like I felt very like welcomed, even though I was oh, just yeah. lurking in chat. And I felt re- like th- I really appreciated that. Ah, sorry. I thought my Skype crashed again because it was off my screen. <laughs> nope. We heard all that and saw you freak out. <laughs> what is that face, Mrs. Hyven? Good introduction and hour into recording. <laughs> yeah, but we haven't been talking about theories for very long. We spent half an hour just talking amongst ourselves and then about the right intro. Sabathun will be... I apologize. Let me start that over. I know I didn't mess up, but I messed up in my head. Oh, I hear no. it. I do say it weird. <laughs> you say it like Clorox. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I can say Oryx when I think about it. But yeah, I do. I do say it like Clorox. Um, <laughs> um, anyways, professionalism. Um, also, side note really hate these smiley faces you guys if you leave the chat window up they just blink and, and keep like grinning at you and it's getting really creepy <laughs> like really we'll creepy up. we'll do something i up. didn't i didn't notice at first and i like it stop being so weird so what sorry we have to pause for a second are you drunk <laughs> no <laughs> I'm like maybe sleepy drunk. No, like so my blood sugar like got all spiky and weird and I was shaking and so then I decided I needed to eat some food and maybe a little bit of beer would help me calm down. But I'm not saying the beer has done this because I have not drank enough of it because I'm also trying not to fall asleep. But I think my heart is just racing because I think I had too much sugar and my blood sugar spiked and I can't can't calm down. Breathe. Can you do like 50 push-ups Breathe. real quick and oh, then come back? Oh, it's like when we used to make my jump 100 times. That is tired. We can't do that here, though, okay? Do some quiet activities. Jason, to... I do what I want. That's our neighbor. She's, oh my gosh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Plot twist, Jason listens. <laughs> now we're friends. <laughs> oh, God. Just ostracized the audience. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm and, myself. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Guardians of Radio, the good name that we should have. What's Guardians of name? Oh my god, I pulled an Elemist. Yes. <laughs> Guardians of <laughs> What Lord. is this? What is this? Oh. Like episode six? Yeah. <laughs> Elemist did that. Now I've done it. Oh my gosh, she doesn't even remember how to sign off. What? You haven't said bye. Do I need to say bye first? We should really put an order in for that. Yeah, you're after Elemis. There is an order.
Sorry, I, already, I already did shout outs. Bump, 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 goodbye, hon. Come on. You didn't say see ya or take care or whatever. I just was expecting something else. Anyways, bump, 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 goodbye. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> and there's the bloopers.